Hello, and welcome to Let's Sip and Talk with Freema. Today we're doing things a little different. We got our time a little early, so you have the pleasure of seeing this face at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We have two gentlemen that would like to share their story, but first up, we have Bennett Davison. Um, he's a um, ex-pro NBA player, if I said that right, ex-pro. Oh, um, former, former, that's the player um he now does a lot of different things um you know give back to the community he has uh his youtube um channel all those good things so i thought it was interesting for him to share um i believe he also teaches so he'll be able to give us some feedback on a lot of different things and i can't wait um to hear his story i hope everybody is having a great sunday um today i i, I got up real early this morning i never seem to sleep late I don't know why. I want to be a late sleeper. Some people can sleep till like 12 o'clock. I can't. So let's see. We're just waiting for him to come on to see if I can add him. Normally, I have to be on um, my regular Facebook page in order to add individuals. Um, but the other night, Friday night, I was able to add people from the actual Sip and Talk page. So hopefully, I'll be successful today. We won't have any technical difficulties. So I'm just waiting for him to join so we'll be able to add him on. I'm going to see if I can send him an um, a invite. Probably not. Let's see. Nope. Nope. So I'll just have to wait for him to come on. But everybody having a good day so far today? Even though the day just really started. Hope y'all be productive, get ready for the work week, all that good stuff. Hope y'all can't hear the dogs barking in the background. Oh, why is it so dumb? So, we're just waiting for him to come on. Y'all talk to me. I see some people on, but nobody's saying anything today. What's wrong? Because it's Sunday? Because it's, what, early? Is it early to y'all? It's rather late to me. Once it's 11 something, it's kind of late. Anybody cook dinner? I cook um, pot roast with some potatoes in it, some rice. Oh, let's see if I can add him. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. I really appreciate it. Good morning, Kenyatta. Well, thanks for having me. You're more I'm going to watch my Arizona uh, gear on today. You also. got your Arizona gear on. I see that. <laughs> so, Bennett, <laughs> I was trying to tell them a little bit about you. If you don't mind just giving us a little synopsis, you know, a little bit of who Bennett Davis, Davison is. Yep. Um, I Uh-oh, I think we lost you a little bit. So, my name is Bennett Davison. Um, I'm from Northern California. And is it coming clearly? Yeah, I can hear you good. Hold on, I'm getting a whole bunch of back then. That's on my side of things. I'm trying to turn these things off. Okay. Hold on a second. All this technical stuff. I know, right? <laughs> Give me a second here. My okay. bad for not being ready. 
But yeah, I'm from Ben Davison. I'm from Northern California. Um, I'm from a small town of 6,000 hippies up in Northern California. And um, basically, I, it's no joke, it's still 60,000 people. And in the 80s, it was 60,000, oh, uh, 6,000 people. So <laughs> it's a lot of, uh, how do you say, hippies. And let me turn this one. That'll work better. Northern California. And um, basically, it's no joke, it's still 60,000 people. And in the 80s, it was 60,000 people. So it's a lot of, uh, how do you say, hippies. And let me turn this one. Uh oh, I think we have echo. Northern California. And Sunday. I hope everybody's doing awesome. Y'all, I gotta stop wearing these eyelashes. Um, yeah, I seen it. Uh, I mean, I heard it. It's like when you cut, I think when you were on the um, the headphones and everything, everything was fine. And then, I don't know what happened. So let's try this again. There, is that any better? Awesome, awesome. Let's start over again. Hi, I'm Bennett. <laughs> pleasure to meet you. Um, yeah. Pleasure. Thank you for uh, reaching out to me. I, you know Alan Williams, and I played, uh, he was a military guy out in Naples, Italy, and I was a basketball player over in Italy, and we used to get him tickets into the games, and so he used to get us sent to the commissary, so it was a, f a fair exchange. We would give him entertainment. And then uh, we would also get the, you know, the waffles and the Eggos and the Dorito chips and that type of stuff. So Alan's a good dude. Oh, wow. So I was trying to tell them a little, oh, now it's not like I'm echoing. Let me get my headphones. I was telling them a little um, about you, um, Bennett, as far as you teaching. And, uh, hold on, yeah. We just can't get it together today. It's all good. No, a, a little bit just about myself, um, you know, as a profession, ex professional athlete. Um, I wasn't, I always describe things as, you know, the LeBron James and the Steph Curry, they're in that 98 to 100 percentile of the best quality basketball players around the world. I always saw myself as uh, not really an NBA player, but more of a tweener. I was more of an 80 to 90 percent um, of quality basketball player. So one of the things that a lot of professional athletes deal with is that transition out of basketball. And it's, how do you say, you've invested so much time, whether it be middle school, high school there's six years then if you go to college there's another four years or ten years then you played 12 uh, tw i ended up playing lucky enough without any serious injuries played for 12 years overseas so that's you're investing about 20 22 years into something that is really all you focus on so you know for people like that go into college they're the doctors or lawyers and stuff and you had this gradual buildup of hey here's my level of uh, my life success and so basketball players is that same way you're here, and then all of a sudden it just falls off a cliff. So, so for me, it's a, um, how do you say, we all have some little rough in our life, but now I'm teaching here in Dallas. Um, I do seventh and eighth grade health um, down in um, Deep Ellum. It's just a little uh, nook of Dallas and stuff like that. And 
I enjoy it. I mean, I go into the lo- into the classroom, and they're all seventh graders, so they're all you know chest height, and they're all looking up to me. So I feel pretty good. I feel being six foot eight, everybody really looks up to me. So I know that's tall. <laughs> Do um like with this whole virtual thing that's going on now, is that kind of difficult for you? Um, we just went on 10 days ago, so it's a learning curve. Um, I think a lot of schools have procedures or if they really can produce, uh, procedures specifically for, um, schools. But right now, um, we'll have a, you know, uh, desk side by side by side by side, and then we'll just stagger kids diagonally. Um, so yes, so average kid, I'd say 15 to 20 kids are in my full class and we're just teaching from Google Classroom. But once we get out of Google Classroom, it's, it's a lot of the kids have already done Google Classroom or virtual training, but they all do it through Google Chromebooks. And the Google Chromebooks are their own individual computer. They can do all their homework. They can do all their assignments. And all I have to really do is post it up online. So out of those 20 kids, I'll have the first day out of the, not last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before last was the first day we had actually had in school uh, teaching these kids. It's nice. I mean, the classes are smaller. Um, the kids are fairly tech savvy. Um, it's an educational process for the, the administration, just because I think a lot of these politicians, their number one goal is it doesn't matter what the economy happens happens to the economy or anything like that. I think everything is based off of we just can't have any COVID cases. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. But, I mean, I think back in April, I ended up getting it from a grocery store uh, playing volleyball, and it was a 24-hour flu. I mean, I just had a little couple aches and pains in my neck, and I got the shivers in a warm shower. And then I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. And then I went and got tested, and I was positive back in April and May. It wasn't just like a regular flu. Everyone's like, we're shutting down the, the world for this. It wasn't that aggressive, I guess you can say. Right, as right, right. There's this whole level of, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But then I had it, and I was like, that's it? That's all it really was. So um, teaching is going good um, and other things in life is good. Do they know you used to play basketball just based on your height? <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm walking down the hall and uh, I mean, 98% of the kids are Hispanic. So they're all five foot one, five foot two. Uh, my mentor is uh, Eddie Torado and he's five, six, five, five. So it's a, it's, it's a female do- dominated industry. It's also a short person dominated industry. So I kind of, <laughs> Well, I like to feel like I'm tall. I'm five one, so I think I'm. I think I'm kind of high level with you. I don't know. It's a mental thing. Hey, with tall people, you know, we're all the same height laying down. <laughs> you right. You right. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about Euro. Is it Euro hoops or Euro life? Euro hoops life. Yes. So this is specifically for. Think of like Angie's list. So what does Angie's list do? If you have, yeah, you do review personal views of general contractors for your house. So say you had a person do your roof and he did an amazing job. I'd want to know about that experience and you'd probably share that. It's like, yeah, go with this company, ABC Roofing. But then uh, next year you end up getting your kitchen remodeled and they came in and they did a terrible job. They messed things up. They didn't finish their stuff. You're going to leave a review like, hey, don't go with this team or don't go with this general contractor. It's the same exact thing. So Euro Hoop Life, it's one word, Euro, E-U-R-O, Hoop and Life. And what we do is I, just like me and you doing right, the talking right now is all I do is interview you on that team's experience. So say you and, um, are you married? Yes. 
So say you and your husband are going overseas and you're, uh, you have the contract and you're about to pack up and leave. So FIBA's, uh, how'd you say it? Do you know AAU, the uh, America's African or whatever the AAU stands for? There's a lot of shady individuals in that AAU youth basketball. It's a lot of just like guys with the ear talking and hustling stuff. FIBA's a little bit like AAU where there's not a lot of loyalty. There's also not a lot of payments that are paid on times. Contracts aren't respected all that much. So over five different years, I've been dollars from five different teams. You really have teams that just don't even like say they're for salaries, flights, hotels, gym, lights, uh, travel, everything like that. They only have to, FIBA only says that they only have to have about $5 million in their bank account, and then they chip along throughout the season, and that's why in Europe they have so many different logos on their floors, on their jerseys and stuff, because one team will be the team that provides $2.5 million, the other one provides $1 million, and then throughout the year you kind of scrape along and um, pretty much just try to figure out the season as you go, and if you don't finish in first or second place, Guess who doesn't get paid? The players don't. So what I wanted to do is not reinvent the wheel, but just say, hey, there's something going on here, and all I do is an interview players on that situation. Right. So right. how was the situation when you got there? Did they give you a car and apartment? Did they pay your agent's fees? Did they um, provide you with a good setup? Hey, you know, actually, I'm going to go outside, and it's nice outside. And so what they do is they set up um, – you with these contracts, living situation, all that, but end of the season, guess what? Mm-hmm. You don't get paid that $15,000, that $30,000 for the last um, for the last few months of your play because you didn't finish your first, second, or third place. So all I wanted to do – no, that's not going to work either. All <laughs> I wanted to do is really bring awareness to um, international FIBA basketball and just the teams that don't pay their players on time. It would be like working for a company that doesn't respect you, doesn't pay you, and doesn't live up to their expectations. So, Do you get a lot of feedback from that? Do you get a lot of negative feedback from that? Um, mostly, about 80% of it is good feedback. The teams are great. The cities are small. Are you in a metropolis area? Are you, um, you know, that type of stuff. But then you get some teams where there's like, you know what? You go on to FIBA. You can go to arbitrations, and any of those arbitrations are pretty much public knowledge. But there's teams over there in the last five years, they have about 40 to 45 arbitrations against them from players not being paid on time. So wow. if you're about to sign, you and your husband are about to sign a contract with this team in Istanbul, Turkey, are you going to want to know what you're getting yourself into if you just signed a contract for $250,000? Wow. Yeah. So, so that's where you come of- in at. <laughs> Exactly. So I have on, on Girl Hoop Life, it's a YouTube uh, video archive of interviews. I have about 80 to 100 uh, interviews. And it's just me, like you, just kind of asking questions. Hey, what was the situation like? Did they come and pick you up from the airport? Did they give you a car? Um, some One funny story is this guy was on Mon- Mongolia. And so he's over there and he says, it is freezing cold. So he would walk maybe a half a mile to and from the gym to his living situation to like the food where you eat. He said it was about negative 30 degrees. And so it was the second day he was there. And in Mongolia, it's kind of like one of those places where you can have to pay someone five, 10 bucks a week to drive you around to come and cook you food. 
So him and his um, uh, other teammates came back to the apartment and right across the whole counter, right along the counter in the kitchen, mm -hmm. there was a horse leg. Was what? A horse leg. It, it a was horse a, leg. A, a horse leg. It had a hoof on it. It had the horse's hair on it. And it basically was just cut off the horse. And they put it across the counter. He's like, what the heck is this? He's like, this is what you're eating. And they'd have a guy come there and cook them horse throughout the throat. I'm telling you, cook your horse throughout. And that's he's like, I'm not eating that. And so you could only eat so much rice for a few days. And then he started eating some horse. Oh, my horse God. Cooking like that so there's all kinds of funny stories that you get to hear and experience because you know not everybody does the same it's, i always have a saying everybody goes about doing the same thing in a different way right whether it be, right. Whether it be sports whether it be relationships whether it be husband male female uh, relationships those types of things so that's true i think alan said he had a question um how does it feel to be a college champion? Um, and also, there are any known players you played with on that team and your coach. How did he influence you? Yes. So I was a small, t like I said, um, before with the with the whole uh, microphone issue. Um, I'm a small town boy from an hour north of San Francisco. My dad was a, a black man from San Francisco who was a cable car driver in San Francisco, and my mom was a, a, an elementary school teacher. So in doing so, I felt like I got my dad's character, charisma, and I got my mom's education and smarts for be able to educate and teach. Um, but being from a small school, it was kind of a experience. It's like, hey, I'm the best. I'm one of the best players in the whole area, but no colleges are talking to me my junior year. So the beginning of my senior year, um, if you know any colleges in the Bay Area, my mom and dad just took me out of school and we drove down to colleges and just started knocking on doors. We went to Santa Clara. Uh -huh. Steve Nash was there. Um, St. Mary's. We went to and just basically said, hey, where's the gym? Oh, so oh, down this way. You got to go down there to the left. Okay, let's go to the gym. Where's the uh, coach's office? And my dad just stopped, knocked on the door and says, hey, do you have a scholarship for my boy? You want to check out this videotape? And they're like, oh, well, you should probably go check out a junior college. I was like, what's a junior college and how does that affect me? Because I'm from, you know, I'm an hour north. I mean, no joke. The women in Sebastopol have hairy legs and hairy armpits. I mean, it's uh, you get a flat tire and you just smoke, you just smoke out the guy who just changed your tire. And um, it's a very friendly area, non-nuclear. Everything's a Prius and a Volkswagen. So as I'm knocking on the doors of Stanford, Cal, um, University of San Francisco, all these different colleges. Hey, do you have a scholarship? They're like, that's not how this whole process works. I was like, well, we don't know. And so we just started asking a bunch of questions, just like anything in life. If you want to find an answer, go out and ask the people, be proactive and ask the people that really want to, that, that have the answers that you need. So they said, hey, go to a college, okay? Which one's a good one? So I ended up going down to Saratoga, which is in San Jose, uh, Right night by San Jose State. It's an hour south of San Francisco, so I was about two hours away from home. Uh, parents could come and watch me and all that type of stuff. Um, so I played, and it went from junior college of me really wanting the red shirt, and it's kind of a funny story. I was uh, just broken up with a high school girlfriend, a freshman year in college down at West Valley. Um, you know, we're taking the tour of the school, and mom's asking a thousand questions. Where's the library? Where's the student center? Where's this? And all of a sudden, Dad says, Mom, Judy, are you done asking a thousand questions? 
She's like, yes, I'm done. I think I got my list. She had a little notepad and stuff. She's a teacher. <laughs> and so dad says, hey, Bennett, you like Coach Burton? I said, yeah, I love Coach Burton. He's a good campus and everything. Coach Burton, you like Bennett? Yeah, I think uh, I think this will be a good situation. He's like, all right, you're coming here. And that was pretty much as simple as it was. And uh, if you know anything about basketball, uh, Bobby Knight. You know, remember Bobby Knight from Indiana? He was a very aggressive screamer and yeller. This is Bob Burton. He is a uh, he wears glasses. He's short. He's buck tooth. He's balding. But I feared this man more than anyone in my whole life. That so it was one of those things. Is like sit down, shut up. There's a wall. I want you to run through it. And I was like, yes, sir. You tell me what to do. I know. I, I know. And so um, I went from uh, knocking on doors in. I would say March and April at the end of my year. Um, yeah, end of my senior year to go into West Valley Junior College, playing for under Coach Burden, and then becoming the number one junior college player in the nation after four months. Wow. So within four months, um, my junior college coach he usually comes out and hands little envelopes, and so he's like, "Hey, Jacoby, here's a letter from Santa Clara, or here's Jamal, here's a here's a letter from um, you know SMU or something of that nature." And then all of a sudden he brings in this box of where you keep like reeds of paper, reams of paper. He brings it in and puts it on my desk. I'm like, what is this? He's like, this is who's interested in you. I look wow. in there. Wow. North Carolina, USC, Cal, Stanford, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Crichton, Georgetown, St. John's, every single call in the nation is like, we want you, we need you, and this stuff like that. I was like, me? Some young, big-headed, you know, big gum, big mouth, goofy little immature kid? And it was a little wake up to say, you know, it was a good opportunity. So the coach says, hey, do you, where do you where do you want to go? I said, I want my parents to watch me uh, watch me play and be on the West Coast. He's like, okay, so Pac-10. He's like, which schools want me? I was like, Oregon and Arizona and USC. And so I basically just chose Arizona. And two years later, I was playing with Mike Bibby, um, Jason Terry, Miles Simon, uh, Michael Dickerson, uh, Gene Edgerson, Donnell Harris, and a couple of players that played overseas, and obviously Jason Terry, Mike Bibby, are the, and Mike Dickerson are the biggest names that um, Miles Simon coaches with the Lakers right now. So, yeah, okay. that was my journey up to Arizona. It's kind of like stay on the court, stay busy, finish up school, and it kind of all kind of flowed into it's winning funny. a national. In 1997, I was a junior, and we won the national championship, and we beat Kansas with uh, Paul Pierce and uh, Jacques Vaughn and Rafe LaFrance. Then we beat uh, North Carolina with uh, Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter. You guys have all heard of Vince Carter. I got, I got dunked on by Vince Carter. We've all been dunked on, but, hey, why not get dunked on by the best? <laughs> and then we beat uh, Kentucky um, in, for the championship, and we're the only team to ever beat three number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Wow, that's wow. awesome. That was many moons ago. That was like 23 years ago. <laughs> we have someone that has a question. Um, Sean Davidson, what in your mind makes Trump appeal to you as a good person? Okay. Do you know this person? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> what in your mind makes Trump You don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> um, makes Trump appeal to you as a good president for race relations and bringing communities together? And why is the size of the national debt not a problem for you any longer? Uh, that's my brother. Um, I, he's, not, he's an odd character. The Trump is definitely a, a, a non-normal politician. 
and I think he, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, my thing is, I would say politicians in general, they have a certain stigmata or something about them, whether what ours and these. So for me, I don't let politics define my relationships based off of someone's political views. So everyone has their opinion, freedom of speech. Um, he does come off and rub a lot of people the wrong way because he is a non-traditional uh, politician. But I think sometimes people say that division, Trump brought division. I think division brought Trump. And I think it, whether in two months we get that changed around and we go with um, Biden and Kamala or we stay with Trump, um, I think it's, I don't know, I don't have any uh, strong political views as we sit here and talk. Yeah, I think, I think Trump is just blunt. You know, I think he just kind of says what's on his mind, and a lot of people just can't handle. And I'm not just saying Trump, but people like that in general. You know, some people just can't handle people just saying what's on their mind and just yeah. and, and keep it in mind. He can come off aggressive and um, very blunt and like, where the hell did that come from? And it's just out of left field. So, yeah, he doesn't speak like a lawyer. He doesn't talk like a lawyer. He doesn't act like a lawyer. And I think the... Yeah, I think he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, or he rubs you the right way, and you're like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of these politicians thinking we're a sheeple, and someone's out here saying this is actually what normal people are thinking. So, yeah, you can look at it. You can look at it different ways. Different ways. Thanks for the question, Sean. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, is there anything else you would like to share that you think like someone needs to hear? Any motivations or anything to keep us going? I know you have a wide range of people that you listen uh, that listen to you and watch your show. Like what what is what are some other topics that you guys have talked about? And oh my god, we talked about a lot. A little bit of this, um, a little bit, right? There's no limits on let's sit and talk with Freema. We 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 go from dating, we go from to sex, we go to same sex relationships, we go to children. So we abuse, you know, like we just touch on pretty much anything that you can think of. We we we're going to talk about it sooner or later. Okay. For me, um, I think the just for me that transition out of basketball was one of the how do you say? It? There's always a challenge, but sometimes it's like you. I always take the saying from Batman, why do we fall down? So we learn to pick ourselves back up. And sometimes life doesn't have a, uh, the perfect trajectory of what your, your mindset goes or what you're, what you're on a daily basis. You're like, this is what I want to happen. This is what I want to get to get done. Because look at all the loss financially of people's small businesses. I mean, small business is what makes America run. And this whole COVID just basically put a screeching halt on everything. And a lot of people are just like, I put two and a half, I put my whole life savings into this. I can't imagine a, a person who opened a restaurant on January 7th and then February 28th or March 13th, everything is shut down, dead and gone. And I can't imagine, just, I think it's just affected so many people worldwide um, that if you get knocked down, pick yourself back up by the bootstraps. I mean, there's not, you got to pick up a job and I mean, get a job at McDonald's. Get a job wherever you can. I'm, I'm just blessed that I ended up in last October getting a teaching job and having that small little baby income. It pays for medical, pays for child support, pays for all the things that I need to be able to uh, do to put put a roof over my head, food in my stomach, and gas in the tank. Right, I mean, that's right. food and shelter. Um, I think just – I just I just put my uh, – my heart goes out to a lot of the people that have – um, have had a large, how do you say, a drastic um, change in life just because of the impact on this situation. And um, 
I feel that's the, you've always got to have something steady and consistent, which was a teaching. You've also got to have something that is entrepreneur. And I love my favorite word is entrepreneur. I think, I think for uh, myself, it's the Euro hoop life is that entrepreneurship of saying, Hey, here's a small little community. It's not something that I'm looking to make a financial um, gain off of, but I think everybody has to find a hobby that they're going to do, whether it's financially beneficial or not. And I think that's something that kind of brings me joy just like this. I mean, you're not going to be rolling in the dough from this. You just want to be able to say, hey. Not at all. <laughs> and I want to be able to be a vehicle for other people to share that experience. And I feel that's what your hoop life is. And then I do youth bas- – and I help out with um, – the community and youth basketball, I do community outreach for, um, there's a red day through Keller Williams. And each year we go out and we'll do a veterans. Um, there's a guy with horses and he does horse riding with veterans that are injured. Or we'll go down to Bonton, which is pretty much a place. As soon as the sun goes down, all the creatures in the night come out. There's only one place of commerce and it was just shut down three years ago because they're selling, selling heroin out of the back. So it's kind of a low, very low income um, housing like that, and we'll go off and we'll clean the fields and, and have animals for people that just come back out of jail, back into the community, and they can give back to the community. So there's, um, you know, some of them may even be there with their tracking ink, uh, home monitors, yeah, and this yeah. is where they're allowed to say, okay, they're going to be over in the field. They can play, um, you know, horseshoes, or they can uh, work in the garden. They can sell fresh fruits in their community instead of eating, you know, non-healthy stuff they can get some stuff from the earth um good nutrients and stuff like that that's nice that's, that's awesome every year you gotta just stay busy i'm uh as as my dad said he's got to be proactive in everything that you do absolutely and that's probably the best advice given you have to stay busy like you said find a hobby even if it does not bring you financial gain it may help somebody else in another way so yeah we can relate in that aspect with the euro hoop life and the less living talk with prima you know it's just you know it's beneficial in certain ways you know so yeah yeah and one thing about euro hoop life don't uh don't talk to surrey don't say hey siri Go find me. You're a hoop life. It actually pulls up. You're a poop life. So, sir, I need to talk to Apple about Surrey uh, misspelling. Uh, <laughs> you're a hoop life. Well, Bennett, I really, really enjoyed this day with you, just talking to you and, and learning. You know, just your background and giving us some some good advice, some good feedback. I really appreciate you taking time this early Sunday morning. What time is it there? So let me ask you, let me ask uh-huh. you a question. Why, uh-huh. why do you do it? Why do you reach out and, and uh, try to build a community? Cause you have 12 people here. Some days I see you have 20 to 30. It, it fluctuates at different times. What makes what mo- motivates you to uh, do this? Uh, well, um, from my previous, um, employer or job that I was doing. I was a mission coordinator and I learned that I actually like um, helping people. You know, whether it's just being a listener or having a conversation where I can relate with them or finding resources for them. So I ever was someone that felt like I had to try to help someone in some way, shape, or form. So I decided, you know what? I like to talk. Me and my girlfriend like to sit around and, and have conversations. So why not allow people to learn from um, other people, you know, listening to this story or seeing it from someone else's perspective, they may get a different look on it and they may have a different life period. So I think about conversations and hearing.
stories, you're able to see things differently. So that's well, saying it. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about is uh, connecting. I and this whole virtual world is uh, kind of something that's we everybody's kind of been doing. You know, everybody has every single click on their cell phone. I mean, imagine having two people with the same kind of apps on their front of their screens. Everything is virtual. Everything's a but click of the button. I think we're transitioning into a world where it's kind of becoming mandatory to have to learn how to do things virtually. I, I mean, obviously, yes. um, the roommate and his girlfriend there in the tra traveling industry. So it's not something you can really do virtually, but just talking to them, just the amount of people on the flights, it went from 130 people on the flight down to 17, 19. Right. They're canceling flights. Um, their airplane places are going under and stuff. So with the teaching that you can do a lot of virtual and educational stuff, a lot of YouTubes, even just little presentations like myself. I'll get up, hey, kids, how are you doing? Hey, did you guys make your bed? You know, that commencement speech by the military general guy who says, hey, the first thing I do is I make my bed every day when I wake up. I want to be a positive motivation for these kids who nutrition probably isn't the best thing in their, um, in their households. Um, exercise probably isn't the top goal of their life. A lot of them are first-generation uh, Americans. Um, their parents don't speak English. They're off working, so... While their parents are off working, they're supposed to be home doing their virtual um, lessons in classrooms. So I think it's a trend with this whole virtual world of everyone doing live or Google or hang Google Hangouts or whatever. It's a it's a new learning curve for everyone. And so the perfect example is my mom. She's been teaching for forty five years, thirty five years, and she's been substituting for ten and twelve with that school where she was at. But now everything's virtual. Plus, she's also in that age group where the corona can affect you a little bit more aggressively than someone that's going to be under 40 years old. And she's like, I don't know if I really want to go back to school. Fear of the fear of the uh, virus and fear of not knowing what buttons to click or how to manage Google Classroom. And um, I think there's a little uh, with this virtual. There's also a generation that's also being squeezed out of um, opportunities. You know, I kind of felt bad for, like you said, the generations that really was not technology savvy, you know, and was forced upon them. So I can imagine how that made them feel. I think Alan had another question. Um, any advice for... No, I was going to say, my dad, he actually has a cell phone. He's like, why is my pocket vibrating? Why is this like my dad? He's like, oh, dad, somebody's calling me. like, why does that? I don't have nobody gave my... I didn't give my phone number to anybody. So he's, you know, he's in his early 80s. So he's, uh, he was and still is technology. Alan said, um, any advice um, for athletes you have? I mean, do you have any advice for any athletes if I can't see that for reason? If you, if they would want to take a leap of faith overseas to play a sport or whatever, what tools you think they need um, to have to be ready? Or whether that's be playing or is that to head overseas and what kind of mentality do you have? Um, what, I'm thinking to go over there and play sport. One of the they want to leave out on faith. I guess if maybe they were offered, I don't know. Yeah, so it, it's, it's kind of structured where if you want to take a leap of faith, I, I have a lot of people just with Euro Hoop Life or even the videos and I pop them up and I'll put them on Facebook groups and Herb on Hoops and uh, agents of uh, FIBA international agents and stuff. So there's a lot of different groups where there's lots of different people. Um, 
And in doing so, it's not really a leap of faith. I mean, whenever there's one job, there's going to be 10,000 10, other people trying to get that job. So it's International FIBA Basketball, Federation of International Basketball is a very niche industry. It's not like you – It's best way to say is there's a lot of good actors. There's amazing actors on Broadway, but not all of them are going to make it to Hollywood. And there's a lot of basketball players that have the ability and that, you know, I, I kind of break that down. There's that 100% to 90%, and that's all the NBA players and the top European players. Then you have the 80% to the 90%. That was me and A.J. Bramlett, and we were good quality, and we could run up and down the floor athletically and play. But we're going to be a role player. I mean, we're going to go out there maybe get a couple offensive rebounds. Kobe's going to get all the shots, those types of things. But then you have the guys that are 70 80%, and I call those the 24-hour fitness ballers. The guys are like, yo, I'm nice, son. Let's go. I can do this. I don't know why I'm not in the NBA. I'm that good. But you don't realize that you're packing up in August 15th. You get a contract Monday. You're leaving Friday for nine months. You get three days home for Christmas, the 23rd, 24th, 25th, leave the 26th, go back overseas until May. And there's a lot of get up, practice, eat, sleep, nap. Practice, eat, sleep, nap practice eat sleep and it's that for 10 months two practices a day you're getting up playing in a game and then you're sitting on a bus for 10 hours getting back in the city at six o'clock and you're just sore and you're just like you can't even get up your back is sore and you got to get out and continue to play so he's asking for a leap of faith i think the biggest let me go upstairs i think the biggest thing for a leap of faith is staying with it staying active um, going to, I say the leap of faith is being able to go out to uh, exposure camps, going to FIBA uh, exposure camps, also having an agent. I say step one, you've got to be able to have some game tape. You've got to have game tape for staying, yeah, I'm, I'm just walking up to our rooftop, um, staying in the light, in the eyes of these teams, because the general managers are the ones that are, really the ones that sit there and say, I want you. I, no, you're not good. You'll make our team good. He has a bad history. Things of that nature. So I think the biggest one is just staying active in the world of FIBA. Um, here's my little view of downtown Dallas. Um, staying active, uh, having an agent working for you. At the same time, you can do a lot of self-promotion by yourself through social media, by communicating, starting conversations with um, other athletes, like where are the opportunities at, um, how it would be another way. I say video, agent to represent you, someone who is aware of what's going on overseas and when uh, job opportunities are coming up. And at the same time, sometimes you have to take an opportunity that doesn't pay very well and isn't in the best city to get that, how do you say, time because you spent two years out of not playing you're not going to get back on anywhere you have to be on it continuously throughout now i was blessed to get 12 years like i said but you also have to be able to um take a leap of faith and be okay with being alone there's a lot of downtime just by yourself um obviously video games and social media when i was over there we had just gotten was that boip like I, not even Skype. It was like the first thing where we could video call, but you had to have a certain speed of internet. And I was in Slovenia. Bennett, you still there? there you go. Let's see, that should is that working better? Huh? 
Is that any better? Yeah, a little bit, but I do have a question, Bennett, um, for like the parents like myself, you know, who son plays basketball, you go to every one of them, you record all his games, you know, all his footage or what have you. Like, what do I do with that footage in this day and time? You know, I know before, you know, your parents took me there, but like, do I just post it on the internet or there's certain people I need to reach out to? He's in 11th um, now grade now. 11th grade? I think it's just saving game tapes. Um saving game tapes and maybe having somebody edit it um everybody looks good on a highlight um i think for colleges and you said he's in 11th grade so he's a junior in high school uh, is there feedback no it's good he's in 11th grade now let me go let me go back downstairs maybe get closer to the internet there we go there we go. So everybody looks good on a highlight tape. Um, you also need some live game tape um, just so they can see how you move and the size of you. And um, at the same time, sometimes just playing at a higher level does like have an Arizona insured. It kind of speaks for itself. Whereas some players are like trying to find you have to be really proactive in all the things that you're trying to do just because. You have to go out there and be seen. You gotta sell yourself. You gotta market yourself. You gotta be proactive in everything that you do. I know this little COVID did mess up a lot of a lot of athletes, you know, for the schools that didn't go back that they're doing virtual. Or just the sports and I mean just we went through Corona and there was no sports, there was no baseball, there was no football, there was no basketball, none of that stuff. So it's uh it screwed up a lot of people. I think we've had uh we've had a how do you think a reduction or a coming to Jesus moment? We're like, hey, what do I? What's really important to me? What's really important in life? Absolutely, absolutely. And then I think it was more so, and I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but also with the whole COVID thing, gave people time to, like you said, really reflect because it had a lot of people lost their jobs not due to COVID. Uh, would you be homeless? You get what I'm saying? Because a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. You didn't get an extra 600 or an extra 300 So I don't think a lot of people really took that in. Like, man, if I really want my job and get another one so fast, would I be homeless right now? You know, like. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are relying on other people to, to assist them in life and to be able to get through life, to be able to say, hey, you know what? I only have half of my rent. I mean, I live, I live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, right. all the the bills and the medical and the uh, stuff through school, and that all is basically, hey, here's a couple extra hundred bucks, make it survive. You got to pay the things that you, you know, you got to pay the pay the piper first, and then you can you got to figure out life. And I'm blessed to be able to be, like I said, I just got the job in October last year. And if I hadn't, I don't know where I'd be. Be like eating bologna sandwiches and mac and cheese. That's what I do now anyway, so it's no difference. <laughs> okay. Well, Bennett, um, I really enjoyed this with you. Thanks for the honesty. Thanks for sharing your life with us. Um, you to be you. <laughs> and um, it, and 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 pretty much anything else you want to say to us today before we. <laughs> No, it's just something to go outside, maybe go get a little jogging. It's not the, the temperature cooled down about twenty degrees down here in Dallas, so it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get outside and not be uh, drenched in sweat with all the humidity going on here. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat>
Well, you take care, Mr. Benny Davidson. I appreciate you. Nice to meet you. And as we always say on Let's Sip and Talk, Freeman, peace and love. Peace and love. Thanks, Freeman. You're welcome. Bro.